Up front, giant content warning this week. Child abuse and gaslighting parents a go-go, baby. If you have issues with that, you are going to want to skip to... 34 minutes and 40 seconds. Where Tenma just has a kid now, it's fine. Listening to Boku no Stop, an anime podcast that knows cops don't care about their own mothers once they get a badge and gun. I'm your host, Fletcher Arnett, and with me this week is... Chris and Matt. And today we're talking about Monster, episodes 11 through 14. Let's just get down into it. This week we're starting off with episode 11, 511 Kinderheim. So Tenma is in what used to be East Germany now. He is trying a new tack, going after the trail of the Liebert family prior to defection. He begins investigating the house they lived in before they left, and when he starts asking too many questions, the realtor's like, you're not here for the actual house, are you? You are wasting my time. Get out. Whatever, fuck you, buddy. You're going to make 3 to 5% on that sale. Who gives a shit? You can <laughs> well, afford he- to waste an hour. Well, he also knows you're not going to buy it. I could be making money. He also drops some uh, real cool anti-Semitism. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're... Like, yeah. Yikes. Yeah. We're gonna start uh, touching on some themes of that. Uh, it turns out that Monster is in Germany for a reason. <laughs> wait, 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 What? <laughs> Oh, you, you hadn't put that together. Uh, no, we were actually, Chris and I were talking about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the you mean the orphanage where they're trying to raise Nazi super soldiers? Like a well after the war? Yeah, uh, I'm not going to say it carries through to them being the main villains of this series or anything, but there will be some plot arcs that involve neo-Nazis. Okay, because I, I mean, we've already seen former Nazis with uh, the blind guy. Yeah. Neo-Nazis but... as distinct from Neo-Germany. <laughs> God, I forgot you're doing that at the same time as this. Wow. Uh, what a wild swing. Oh my God, if Schwarzbruder were secretly a Nazi, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Thank God the Nazis don't know about Kunai or we'd never defeat them. <laughs> kind of, kind of schnitzel anti- with this bizarre knife <laughs> out, out here at my Antifa super soldier training Trying to cut a waterfall with a katana Oh Jesus <laughs> <sighs> but, our, <laughs> but our training was cancelled When it was discovered that training in the Guiana Highlands Is appropriation <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. My god Oh. This is why the left will win. never. <laughs> this is why the left will never win. 
Oh. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> returning to the less fun things. Uh, the yeah, sorry, we were just doing that ten minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. The search will bring Tenma to the orphanage the Lieberts adopted the twins from, or so he's told, 511 Kinderheim. When he arrives, the building is wrecked and graffitied over. Uh, a woman walks by and says that, thank God they're going to tear this thing down soon to build a supermarket, which is great given the tragedy and all. <laughs> so, of course, when you hear an old woman say something cryptic like that that would be really helpful to you, you're like, please tell me about the tragedy, for the love of God. And she just goes, why in heaven's name would I want to tell you about the tragedy? Just go... There's this old guy who worked in this thing. He's called Hartman. He's on 47th. Go talk to him. And on the way, he meets a surly child who seems to have injured himself significantly. His arm shows signs of an old wound becoming infected. He treats the boy because it turns out that the tote bag Tenma is carrying around is not full of clothes or anything that you would think he would need for survival. It's nothing but medical supplies. Mm -hmm. That's Tenma. Fucking nerd. Yep. And then we end up at Hartman's apartment, which is right nearby. Uh, he says that he was uh, happy to adopt children when the uh, orphanage closed, and uh, he cared for them until uh, other families took them in. And uh, this kid... Uh, he, he said that he still has uh, one of the kids now, and you see a, a picture on the wall of all these kids creepily, just like their profiles. Well, not profile shots, but like pictures of them all hung up on the wall. What's German for Sears? It has some Sears family portrait vibes. Yeah, it's I mean, granted, we're watching Monster. It's going to be unsettling no matter what, but it's particularly unsettling in this context. Uh, but he uh, he said that it was uh, better than being in uh in 511 uh, because that place was a special orphanage and I, this is something I want to talk about later because when we get more of the backstory I'm like why is he talking about this <laughs> to this stranger <laughs> seems like a really bad idea right well it's a 50-50 it's propaganda like he's going to give he's going to give him the party line yeah, yeah but like he's... this guy is clearly not german <laughs> Hey, he is. So, Tenma? Oh, oh, not Tenma. No, no. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you meant Hartman wasn't German. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, I'm not that stupid. Come on. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, I, I don't know what, like, if he's trying to, like, yeah, give him the propaganda to, like, get Tenma on his side. I don't think that, like, he has any inclination that Tenma would kind of yeah. want to agree with him. Well, if he got through it, Tenma doesn't know any better, right? Like, that's, yeah, that's basically dead-ending Tenma into looking into this if he, like, gives it to him and he buys it. Unless it's some galaxy brain shit because, you know, the Axis allies, you know what I mean? No, Maybe that's it's, it? it's because of the fact that <laughs> he stretching. thinks this guy is a reporter. He's going to yeah. control the story and then keep people from digging deeper. It's like, oh, all the records are gone and there were no survivors and I was nowhere near it. Yeah, that, that's okay, the story that he's makes... telling. That makes more sense, but like implicating the fact that it's a special orphanage, I guess he's yeah trying to control the spin. As you could imagine, none of the East German orphanages were particularly amazing, but 511 was where they housed children of criminals, spies, dissidents, etc. So people they really didn't give a shit about. And uh, 
The claim was that uh, they were being brought up correctly as model socialists, when in reality they were treated worse as animals, tormented and abused. Uh, it was a clash of socialism and totalitarianism. That's the quote Thinking that emoji. Hartman gives. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, that, now that you mentioned that, that makes a lot more sense, Chris, what we were talking about. But uh, Kind of liberal and a fascist bleeds. <laughs> but apparently the, the twins were split uh, because Anna was in a different orphanage, a normal one, and Johan, uh, at that point, was already in the words of Hartman was already a monstrous child, and so he was in five one one. But whatever happened there was so dire um, that the East German government put a gag order on it, and um, you know there's a lot of talk here. But like I don't know if I should talk about this now, but hey, you know what? They're gone, so I guess it's okay. Uh, and he let's uh, mention that there was a revolt. And as soon as he says that, the door opens and the boy from earlier walks in. Uh, his name is Dieter and he is Hartman's uh, current ward. Uh, he walks in and he uh, clings to Tenma after seeing him. And while Hartman says uh, he won't talk about the issue in front of his child, he does suggest uh, perhaps Tenma should stay for dinner. Uh, and it, there's a notable interaction here where uh, Dieter doesn't say anything like he walks in and Hartman's like okay say hi to this nice man and uh, Tenma ends up saving him by saying oh yeah actually we already met and it's fine don't worry about it uh, but dinner is pleasant well, uh, they talk you also uh, that the boy mentions threat there when he says Dieter be a good boy and say yeah there's a lot of tension in that moment where it's like yeah, it's definitely not great vibes. Wow. <laughs> That's what? the understatement of the century. I know. <laughs> it just, look, everything on this show is super tense. You just assume that there's a level of tension all over the place, like in any interaction, especially anyone that has any type of like conflict, even if it's a small one like this. I do love that this anime is just premised on but yeah, the German the... people are not to be trusted. I mean, look, if my people's mm. history means anything. <laughs> also, doctors are to be trusted. Doctors are to be trusted. Even if they're sometimes a little bit incompetent, you know, like uh, like Beckman. The buffoon, the Becker, the buffoons are Becker's, the best yeah, ones, Becker. though. Well, I mean, they're not technically the best, but they're the best people. Look, Probably. would you want to be at dinner with Schumann or Becker? <laughs> I'm, yeah. Can I tell backer. you what my doctor said backer. when I went to the doctor sure. and I said, so how am I doing? And my doctor just goes, are you fucking kidding me? You're five, six and 240 pounds. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> God, how did you find a doctor? Just as, uh, I specifically as looked for doctors that like, were rated incredible. three stars that were competent, but rude. That way we could be in and out of there very fast. <laughs> That is that is extremely on brand. That is a galaxy brain strat. Look, it saves it <laughs> speed running my doctor visits to save time. Yeah, saving 20 minutes by cutting out all the bedside matter. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The correct speed running terminology would be taking psychic damage to save time. <laughs> psychic deboosting. <laughs> 
God, damage boosting your yearly physical just seems really <laughs> not a good idea. I don't know. If uh, he could just hit me a little harder with the hammer and then I move on, I'd be fine. You can use your f- <laughs> use my five invuln frames to not get COVID. <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they're they're talking at dinner and um, Tenma asks, he asks Dieter, like, what do you want when you grow up? Do you have any dreams or anything? What's and your says, wish? What's your wish? Which is, I guess, is a much more vague question, but uh, the boy mentions that he wants a soccer ball, and uh, this is important for later. Uh, but they have a nice meal. Uh, Tenma leaves, and he says he'll try to return tomorrow to finish their conversation. And look, every time, especially in a show like this, someone goes, oh, we'll finish our conversation later. I'm like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> not really. I mean, it does. It kinda, just here, in here it does very just, different circumstances. Exactly. Like, things are just going to get a lot worse. I love that Tenma is like the rube that people invented window displays. It is kind of amazing how this is like much the second or third 11... time. This is the fourth <laughs> in 11 episodes that Tenma has just seen something in a window in the middle of the night and decided to buy it. Yeah, it is kind of his thing now. <laughs> I mean, this is this is Tenma's move as like Joe's move would be to dive off a cliff into the ocean. Yes. If uh-huh. Tenma knows anything about you, he will buy you a present from what should be a 7-Eleven at 11 p.m. and then show up to give it to you no matter how ill-advised that is. And that's the same night, right? Like he just that is comes, the same turns night. around and goes right back. Yeah. We're, we're jumping the gun a little bit, but uh, not quite literally. But, uh, yeah, so Tenma leaves. very easy to do. Guns uh, are not that big. Har, har. He's got Look. a point. Uh-huh. Look. Yeah, I'm just going to let that go. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, when the door closes, Hartman uh, looms over the boy on his <laughs> Oh, no. I think we have an episode title now. <laughs> I've been sitting oh, on that no. for so long. <laughs> That it was so perfectly dropped. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yikes, yikes, yikes. Uh, yeah, not good. Um, but yeah, as we mentioned, Tenma is walking down the street. He sees a soccer ball and uh, decides to buy it. And he returns to Hartman's house. And that's where he hears the child screaming in pain. And he opens the door. Uh, but things start to uh, unravel pretty fast at this point because Hartman is keeping his cool but his excuses uh, start to not make a whole lot of sense he says that like he fell off of a chair he was like trying to like I don't know change a light bulb or something and uh, Tenma who lets their kids stand on a chair I think the thing is supposed to be the energetic youth was screwing around while Hartman was doing something but all I'm saying still a failure of parenting (laughs) look I mean it's also just a really, like, from what we've seen of this kid, obviously, extremely out of character. Uh, but, yeah, Tenma, um, yeah, but the, these excuses falter real fast when Tenma examines the kid and sees just how gnarly all of his injuries are. And it looks like a lot of them are, are we to imply some of them are older? 
Because I, I assume that yeah. they weren't all like, There's right bruises, uh, yeah. two broken ribs he can feel, uh-huh. his shoulder is shattered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, it's uh, like collarbone. Yeah, he's he's this kid has gone through a lot of shit. And uh, Hartman then goes, hmm, the way you're approaching, you know, looking at him, you look like a doctor. All right. You're the doctor who's wanted for murder. Uh, You better leave because I called the ambulance and the police and they're on their way here. And uh, again, Tenma being Tenma, he uh, picks up Dieter and takes him with him uh, with his gun drawn out on Hartman to prevent him from chasing he then leaves the boy at a hospital, like an actual hospital. Uh, but he has to flee because he sees there's a policeman there uh, who's there for like a suspect who I think got his. Uh, no, there's been an accident broken. nearby, uh, a bus yeah. crash. That's why the ER is so full. Yeah, it's the Junkers alt thing all over again is what's happening with the police, though. Yeah. Sorry, not the Junkers, mm-hmm. but the Johan thing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... <laughs> His legs are just broken. He can still talk. <laughs> oh, God. Classic police shit. Oh, this is this is a series of episodes of classic police shit. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah. Um, He's looking for somewhere to stash Dieter because he can't take the kid. And he can't leave him with Hartman. He's trying. Right. That's, but he, that's why he tries to give him up to the orphanage. Oh, he's, he's, trying, he's trying to find him. Okay. Because I, I thought he was... I thought that was disconnected. I thought he was just looking for where Anna was. Yeah, he's um, literally trying to drop the kid off at the pool. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. he straight up goes, "I you know we cannot take him back to that asshole. I can't yeah. bring this kid along. Where would you take a kid? Right, there's right. another orphanage in this town. Yeah, yeah, but he also he tells the nurse like, uh, "I'm gonna come back in two hours. Uh, don't leave him with anybody else. Like, just wait till I come back." And that doesn't happen, of course. A real failure of the nurses be on the nurse and the medical staff's behalf to not immediately know what's up with that kid. Yeah, and also, but that why didn't true. Tenma just say like his his guardian is abusing him, and that would have been enough, right? Like he never says <clears throat> yep. that at any point, and I I don't know why. Tenma, I think, is trying to do this with as little presence of himself, and that kind of thing would involve mandatory reporting, most likely, and he'd have to give statements. And... Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're you're right that there's a <sighs> lot of, yeah, it would put him in direct contact with the police and stuff, but it just feels a little weird. Even if he just goes to bail, it'd be like, hey, yo, don't give this back to Mr. Hartman. Whatever you do, just look at his injuries. I gotta go. Bye. <laughs> Well, they would obviously see his injuries because he has fucking broken ribs, uh-huh. so his shirt is coming off, and that's why I'm saying it is a failure of the hospital staff. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of mistakes happening here. Um, just blame I, it yeah. on the older nurse who's chastising Tenma later because she's clearly just like, I don't know, that gentleman has this child, and that's all I care about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so he ends up uh, finding uh, the other orphanage, the one where um, Anna was sent to and uh while there um he meets uh a what is the the caretaker i don't know what the the technical term is i think she's the director or some director yeah yeah uh the person who shout outs to her extreme mean old lady vibes oh yeah she's uh she's got a very good scowl 
This is a um, woman who would be named Frau something in many dramas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she she doesn't really trust Tenma at all. She gives like Tenma like you know a pretty good scowl and like stonewalls him for a bit. But eventually she relents uh, when he asks about um, Anna. Like she lights up a little bit and uh, asks some questions like, "How is she doing? What's going on?" And uh, you know, Tenma says, "Oh, she he's she's at Heidelberg University. Oh, she's doing well. All this other stuff." But uh, she gives <laughs> yeah. the uh, yeah, I mean, she was doing well. <laughs> yeah, I like how he does not say anything more than that. She's just like, oh, good, she got into college. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but she gives a reprisal of their backstory, which uh, was that the twins were found walking alone across the border of Czechoslovakia. Uh, Mr. Lieber only wanted to adopt Johan originally, but... Um, but he fought for to have his sister included, and so both twins uh, went traveling with the two of them together. And the rest is all the other things we know. Uh, I think it, this this is the point where Tenma mentions five one one Kinderheim, right? Like that's how this comes up. Or yeah, it it comes up in their conversation. He's asking yeah. about. Yeah, he basically implies, "Is this can I can I trust you to actually take care of this child?" And then when she says, "We're not this other one," yeah, 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 um, yeah. She she again like start gets really bitter talking about five one one, and uh, her version of the tale uh, drops some more details that Hartman did not uh, because she says that it was the pet project of both the Ministry of the Interior and the Ministry of Welfare. And that, but actually run almost entirely by the interior. Yeah, because it was being used for experiments on the children. And that is the end of the episode. Um, throughout this, there's like some really good shots of her actually caring for the child, which puts Tenma at e- another child, which puts Tenma at ease. Yeah, yeah. She she shows her uh, kindness towards this child who uh, was about to go piss on, piss in the hallway. Yeah, yeah. She's just kind of. Yeah, and cries for her mom. and That's part of the bitterness is she's saying, yeah, uh, these kids are here in an orphanage because they didn't get the love of a family. They're not used to good people caring for them. And we don't want to... Children will become horrendous without some sort of care and love. Our job is to make sure that they can grow up into something functional. There's a lot of talk about nurture in in these couple of episodes which i think is interesting considering that it seems to be setting up that johan by nature was a monster the whole time i mean we got 60 episodes to go expect for a (laughs) lot of back and forth about the nature of johan from a lot of different people yeah yeah we're we're about to learn some shit (laughs) my man's like yo fuhrer two right here oh oh boy well, I mean, that was explicitly the goal, right? That was not explicitly the goal. That's just what Hartman sees in him. Mm-hmm. Because mm. he, we'll get to that conversation later. Uh, we're now on episode 12, A Modest Experiment. And just something I'll point out to you two. Next time you watch this, take a look at the opening again and see just how much more of the opening you have context for after this block of episodes. That's what I meant about Christ, this spoils everything. Uh, did they um I'm never gonna do that because the Plex skip intro button exists. <laughs> uh 
So wait, did they change the intro at all, or is it just... No, it's um, still the same, but now you understand okay. a lot more of the shots. Yeah, I, I noticed that Dieter was in there. I, like, I actually decided to watch the intro for the first time since we started recording, and I yeah, I noticed a few more things. Dieter's uh, in which, there, mm-hmm. Johan's scrawl under the painting is there. Yep, yep, the, yep. One of the shots is clearly 511. Yeah, yep. yeah. This is also, in this block of episodes, I think is the first time that the uh, ending, um, like, picture slide picture thing at the end uh, changes. It, it might has be the been time. by about one frame every two episodes. Okay, yeah, but this is, like, completely new stuff in this next one. It's, like, a couple uh, new scenes. During this, no, it's been adding one or two each time. It's just now it's starting past where the original one was. Gotcha. Uh, there's going to come a point where I will basically just link you all of them put together so you can see it if you want. It's easier that way. Yeah, I'm not going to, like, remember all the details. Like, in this one, the monster goes into town and talks to a dude with an axe. Yeah, the monster has split into two and run off in different directions, and one of them is now talking to a farm. There's a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, like I said, we'll discuss that because there will be a point when you have all of that and it will make it clear what the hell you're seeing there. So we start uh, episode 12, A Modest Experiment, and we are still talking, Tenma, with the orphanage director, um, talking about the experiments at uh, 511 Kinderheim. The experiments there were brutal and calculated. The goal was to try to make perfect soldiers, with the youth being split up into factions pitted against one another and hardened to anything but discipline and violence. The records of whatever happened to the end of the records of whatever happened at the end of the building are lost before the wall fell. A lot of similar projects were put to the torch, and uh, nobody wanted to be another Third Reich. Um, with their paperwork seized and paraded around as evidence. But there was some talk that she was, uh, she heard. Apparently a certain individual, a higher up at 511, decided he was not going to flee. His title was a sham, making him seem more innocent, and he was able to whitewash his records and stuck around in the East. Some kind of a weird child psychologist, and Tenma, uh, immediately goes, Oh, this is Hartman, and that explains everything. Uh huh. And then we cut to Dieter for a moment. He is alive and in a hospital being cared for. He has a soccer ball. He's very excited um, because he's basically decided that Tenma is right and that the world is not dark and that tomorrow will be a good day. And uh, then we cut right back to uh, things being very bad again. The director and Tenma still talking. She says, whatever the incident was, she does not have firsthand knowledge of it. There was a gag order and it sounded hideous, but she does know some details. It began with the director's sudden death. The staff began to turn on each other, jockeying for the open position. And with this being their focus, suddenly all the children are without handlers, and the tribalism took deeper root without a structure to keep it in line. Whatever happened in the middle, she's got nothing. She just knows that every single fucking person in that building died. The sole survivor was Johan. To a man, every person, adult and child, in that building massacred one another. Elsewhere, things are continuing to get dark again because Hartman has picked up Dieter. 
when the child says this isn't the way to the house, he's just told that they're going on a detour. And so Tenma, having heard this story, is like, all right, I'm going to pick up the kid. I'm going to leave him with this woman. I'm going to get the hell out of Dodge. Maybe I'll talk to Hartman again tomorrow and get the rest of that story, but probably burned that bridge. And then he discovers that the kid is gone and, you know, an older nurse chastises him going, well, I left him with his father or parental figure who, you know, you're, you're no that parental figure. This old lady hates Tenma. Oh God. Yeah. She, I, I hate this woman so much. Uh, Hartman <laughs> apparently never locks his front door. So when Tenma goes back to his place, he's like, Hmm, well, kid's not here, but might as well find some clues. Let's, uh, let's look and study. Do, 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 do. Don't care about Dieter so much right now. Gotta find some Johan info. And in Hartman's desk drawer, there are photos of all of his children. And they're taken somewhere he can't identify until he gets to one that, instead of Hartman, has this older gray-haired man in it. And Johan, and it's snapped in front of a still intact 511 Kinderheim. At this point, I want it pointed out the whole plot right now is Tenma trying to investigate 511. The rest of the episode <laughs> takes place in the ruins of this building, and Hartman gets to monologue like a madman over a bloody Dieter sitting on a decaying throne at the top of the stairs beside a fire. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, I no, know. it's just it's, it's a true. lot. Oh yeah, this this, this like, section is a lot. What? what this just like fell out of a different show. That's the best thing is that it gives itself context, and it's even worse with it. Uh huh. So, uh, Tedba is sneaking into the building. He's like, okay, it's it's got to be Kinderheim. I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna figure this out. I'm going to get this kid out. And a soccer ball bounces down these stairs, which lures him into the main hall, and that's when he sees the kid on the throne, the fire. And Hartman just comes out and he starts talking and telling the story. You want to know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Uh, It's very clear that the first person into the building after the massacre was Hartman. He discovered Johan there on that throne, watching as over 50 people tore one another apart, and he never lifted a finger. This is the other part where I was considering saying Berserker. (laughs) (laughs) I think you did the better of the two, just because this moment would really... Yeah, want to get it in before the child abuse starts. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, So... Tenma calls him out, says, you know, Hartman made him so twisted, and Hartman looks regretful here. He's like, no, no, we didn't make him. We had our goals, and they were such modest goals. Soldiers of tomorrow. But Johan, he gets this manic glee on his face. He was ahead of us already, a natural-born leader. He said mankind would end up hating itself into the grave, the whole of it. And you know what he said to me? He wanted to be the last one alive, just watching. Uh, The thing that Johan said when asked about what happened is that he took 
the flames of hatred, and he just added a little oil and let it consume everyone. And it's... The only way this could be more chilling is if they had the Johan child voice actor doing this, given that guy's delivery. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. But in the midst of this manic episode, he says Dieter has no future. The world is dark, and if only the boy could be a little more like Johan. Then he just draws a shotgun to the child's head. He's been holding the shotgun for a while, and I'm like, where did he... If he didn't go home first, did he just take a shotgun to the hospital? Or did he just leave it in the building? You know, I think it's a firm (laughs) 50-50. Who knows? Uh, But yeah, the thing's like, like, holy shit, he's gonna fucking blow the child's head off. Jesus Christ. And he says, with the gun to Dieter, Hey, Tenma, if you fuck off, I'll give you one piece of advice to find Johan. Look for General Wolf. He's likely still alive and hiding, and that's the guy who discovered Johan in the first place, bringing him to 511. In case you weren't sure this is Nazi shit, this guy's name is just General Wolf. That, yeah. That's a fucking name. <laughs> uh, but Tenma draws on him, and he says, Hey, Dieter, you can get up from that chair, and we can leave. If Hartman puts his finger on the trigger, I'm going to gun him down. And we cut up, and Hartman does not have a finger on the trigger. He's actually practicing good discipline. Mm -hmm. But Hartman cackles that the child would never leave him. He's his world. The child leaves him, and being corncobbed to this degree absolutely breaks Hartman. Corncobbed is a way to describe that. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> he does just basically say I'm not owned over and over again. Yeah, uh-huh. it's completely crushing. He's just like literally everything I just built up for the past 50 years. I can't believe this Nothing. child I beat the shit out of and lied to every day hates me. You bribed him away from me with a soccer ball? Christ. Christ. Mm-hmm. But, um... Tenma has written a letter to the kinder orphanage director, and he's like, all right, here's a bus stop. Take it three stops down. Give the lady this letter. You're good. And Dieter says nothing. He's he's only said one sentence at this point, which is just, I believe in Tenma. There is a brighter tomorrow. And he just kicks the soccer ball and alongside Tenma. And Tenma's like, no, come on, kid. This is, you can't do this. No. And kicks the soccer ball. And just keeps repeating as we end the episode. And that takes us to episode 13, Petra and Schumann, which is a bottle episode. Sort of unusual for this show. Uh, and it's a nice uh, palate cleanser after <laughs> after the last one. At least a little bit. Yeah. It's, and you know, it's a pretty good one. Yeah, it's not bad. I, I, it's fine. We resume the show on Dr. Schumann, who is a country doctor in a rural town. And he's trying to get a woman named Petra to uh, let him into uh, her house so uh, she could be treated for something. We don't know what yet. But uh, yeah, th- this woman is just extremely surly. She says something like, I've, I've lived this long and I've never seen a doctor in my life. Go away. Uh, just very comically, uh, you know, cantankerous. It's it's the 
uplifting version of what people with boomer brain think they sound like. Well, I got by this long without it, and I'll be perfectly fine. And they don't realize they're actually saying, my daddy beat the shit out of me, and I turned out good. And all of us uh-huh. are horrified. Thanks. Indeed. Uh, but then a, a dude shows up on a moped uh, saying that Fitz, the town drunk, has been hit by a car. And uh, Schumann is, was, you know, he wasn't around to uh, help out because he's going on his rounds in the, in the town. And uh, he rushes back to the clinic and finds that the man's injuries have been treated and he's been stabilized. And the nurse said that some Asian guy and a kid were passing through at the time and did some first aid on Fritz. And Schumann gets huffy here and he says, uh, first aid my ass. Uh, he fixed him up top to bottom. He, he basically said, I have no more treatment yeah. to give him. He's already been treated. Yeah. Also, this does not speak highly of his nurse if she can't recognize the difference between first aid and life-saving medicine. Yeah. I mean, the dude's on, like, uh, like an intubator, right? Like, yeah, he's on a full ventilator. He's bandaged up in multiple spots. <laughs> this was not, oh, stick three bandages on him and make sure he doesn't stand up for a while. Yeah. Yeah, a little, I mean, they really kind of play up the whole, like, this is, uh, you know, in the sticks and people are, you know, you don't get the same level of treatment out here. I guess, but good God, that is a bad nurse. That's not a good nurse. Uh, what really pushes the doc over the edge is a, you know, the, the nurse says, oh, yeah, by the way, he left notes. Uh, here's his chart. Yes. <laughs> Which I'm just like, who is this guy? Like, he just gave first aid. It's like, here's a medical chart. Uh, but on the, char- on the chart, uh, he left a note saying, uh, this guy looks uh, poor as hell and keeps telling me not to bring him to you because he can't afford it. Therefore, take this as payment. And there's a stack of bills. Yeah. And, the, you know, he, he grabs the bills and he, like, crushes them in his hand. And he uh, goes to, to roll into town to go uh, find this good Samaritan. <laughs> Tenma is Tenma tries to be such a good person, but God, it's amazing that he does not get punched more in this series with his demeanor. Look, he somehow like didn't get the shit beat out of him by the criminals the last stretch of episodes, right? Yeah. That's another good one. Yeah, no, he he's like he's like a kindness elemental, but somehow is like charmed enough to have not been like seriously hurt by anybody. Which he should have been, probably. A few times by now. So Schumann finds the pair at a diner. Boys are back in town. And he uh, throws the money back at Tenma and says, do you really think I don't take care of my people? Uh, Assuming that he must be some elite big city doctor on vacation. Uh, But suddenly a local officer comes in and Tenma visibly pales. And uh, Schumann covers for him, calling him Dr. Chan. What a fucking racist. Uh, it's saying we went to medical school together. <laughs> oh, this comes back in such a good oh way at God, the end of this does. episode. <laughs> it's yes. so good. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. The, the rest of yeah. the episode um, basically is just rotates around these three characters. Dr. Schumann, the elderly Petra, and the cop Hyens, who is Petra's son. Uh, Schumann clearly loves Petra. Petra has some feelings for stubborn old Schumann, and Heinz is just an asshole. You can tell because he's a police officer. Uh, eventually, <laughs> what? Okay, here's the thing. In his first scene, uh, Schumann's like, 
yeah, your mom's not letting me in. Your mom is <laughs> ill. I wish Let me would take die. The- <laughs> yeah, help me out. And this guy's like, God, no, she's going to outlive us all. She will kill death before death kills her. Fuck her. <laughs> Shuman is pissed, but this guy just walks out of the diner. I mean, the thing is, like, look, she had a fucking stroke. <laughs> yeah. Like, like this isn't like a, oh, yeah, she just kind of, like, fell in, like, like you know, fractured if, something. If or, she like, she's died, Heinz would... Like, she has if a she died, stroke. Heinz would refer to it as a stroke of luck. That's the kind of vibe this man gives off. Oh, my God. Yes. You're incredibly... Cr- Heinz is a top tier It's just asshole. extreme, like, ex-wife it's... joke energy, but about his mother. Mm-hmm. Um... Later on, there's going to be a police bulletin about, hey, you know, the murder doctor Tenma has been seen. Keep an eye out in this region. And before he sees the photo and immediately goes, that's Dr. Chan. Heinz is talking to his chief and going, yeah, no, my mom's just a Uh piece of shit. It'd be great if she died, but, you know, she's not. She's still out in the sticks. (laughs) Wow, man. Nobody asked. we we come eventually tenma talks his way into petra's house by not just screaming at her uh interesting strategy there it, so it's not a <laughs> this coming from the guy who just said i want my doctor to be an asshole come on <laughs> you can be look it's fine <laughs> they can be an asshole to me when i want treatment my doctor doesn't come and yell inside my house and say hey fucko how you doing that's true. Let's be honest. I, if he did, he I would, would let him. That. <laughs> Save me a trip and everything. <laughs> yeah, be so yeah good. you would be. You'd be all over. <laughs> of course I would. I wouldn't have to get up. I would love to receive medical treatment while still sitting in a chair. Uh. So, I'm not putting on pants for this. Says Chris Taylor as the doctor comes in. <laughs> makes it so much faster when I have to turn my head and cough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just he, easy access through these boxer briefs, buddy. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't even have to stop, <laughs> Chris. You wouldn't even you wouldn't have you wouldn't even have to stop recording. Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> It'd be like, all right, guys, don't worry about it. <laughs> can I maple? We do this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you can you can you can edit out the coughs later. Uh, so. Before Tenma and Petra's conversation is even over, she collapsed to the floor. She's have basically she had an aneurysm burst. They're like three days past her having a stroke. Uh, they rush her off where Tenma's gonna do like brain surgery to her. Uh, and Hines just busts into a sterile operating room and just draws a gun and pointing it at Tenma, who like has his mother's head open right now. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Fucking by the way, he just opened her head with, like, a razor wire. Sweet fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Schumann mm-hmm. is both in awe and kind of horrified because he's like, we don't have any of the tools you need for this precision. And Tenma's just like, what you got? I mean, the dude's a fucking genius. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's just like, hand me a chip clip for this. <laughs> We're just shy of that. <laughs> yeah, it's called an aneurysm uh, clip instead of a chip clip. I know. Yeah. Uh. 
Tenma continues to do the work, shutting Heinz out. Schumann harangues Heinz over and over until he just grabs him with a bloody gloved hand around his tie and just throws him out of the room. <laughs> For what it's worth, we need to point out that Schumann is roasting Heinz for this. He's just like, oh yeah. You have not visited your mother in over five years, and you don't get to burst in here and go, stop holding my mom hostage to the Mm -hmm. doctor who's doing work, where you are going to kill her if you keep breathing in this direction and give her an Mm -hmm. infection. Yeah, and there's a lot of talk about goulash. (laughs) Yeah, goulash is the secret fourth character of this episode. Not even goulash not even that good i mean you can probably have a good goulash it's i don't know fine. yeah i like stews i've had a good goulash mm. but yeah like she like... makes it every day and like with an extra portion hoping that he would you know her son would come visit her and instead uh he doesn't and uh the doctor ends up eating the leftovers and that's kind of how their pseudo courtship kind of bloomed i guess yep for what it's worth i forgot to mention it we should also put down the part where Dieter clearly does not know what the hell is going on with Tenma yet. No. Because Heinz shows up at the clinic. He's like, hey, little guy, is the doctor inside? Oh, yeah, Tenma, he's in there doing surgery. (laughs) And he's like, Tenma? Nice job. After the operation, the clinic is basically does turn into the... uh the blood scene from the thing. Everyone is extremely paranoid. No one wants to be the first one to sleep. Schumann's worried about Petra. Tenma's worried for his patient for Schumann. And Heinz is just worried that a murderer is going to slip away on his watch. And Dieter's just outside playing soccer because he's eight. Yeah. Uh, in the morning, though, uh, Heinz goes to try to arrest Tenma. Schumann shames him. So Heinz calls to the station and tells them to lift the barriers. I was mistaken. This is Dr. Chad. I was confused because he's also Asian. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Just sweet <laughs> fuck, dude. Oh, that's a, like, ab- like that. I think that makes this episode. <laughs> just, oh, yeah. Absolutely fucking destroyed. <laughs> just, just owned himself. Hey, here's the thing. Do you think he did that as an act of contrition, or do you think he did that because he knew it would have no consequences? Oh, zero consequences. Like, the thing is, like, it's just so believable that he can't tell the difference. Nothing will happen to him. He's a cash-up baron. It's fine. Uh, just like Michelle. At the end, yeah. <laughs> the, end the episode... This episode ends with uh, Petra being airlifted to a larger hospital for treatment. Tenma tries to slip away and almost makes it. Schumann just runs up, begging him to stay, saying the town is safe and he can save lives and they'll keep him hidden. And Tenma just goes, I can't. I have to go kill a guy. And Schumann is speechless. And Dieter is speechless, just finding out that Tenma's going to go kill a dude. And then the uh, old doctor urges Dieter on because Tenma's trying to ditch Dieter with the doctor. And he just says, uh, go with him, Dieter. He'll stay he'll stay straight if you're with him. And the two march off on into gray skies on a dirt trail. And that is the end of the episode. I really like this one. Oh, this is like my favorite episode so far, like hands down. Uh, we're going to start getting a lot more little stories like this, just done in one kind of thing. Like this, the the gun instructor, this is going to start being a little of how we progress time and pass the investigation without having to be every dead end Tenma hits. It, it's well, definitely a nice lighter shade, because like nothing here is like 
you know, distasteful, except for the cop, obviously. It's a good way <laughs> to pass time for the narrative while also still developing Tenma and Dieter without mm-hmm. just having it be like a complete filler episode because a lot of care is taken with it. I mean, there was there was the fun bit where uh, uh, Tenma's like, don't you want to go to school and have friends? And he says, I have one friend. He's like, who's that? He's Tenma. He just points. Yeah, it's so fucking sad. <laughs> it, it is sad, but it's also... Kind it's of incredibly sad, but Dieter is... I'm just going to say, Dieter's going to stick around for a bit, and the interplay really does help both characters. Oh, for sure. Because, yeah, uh, I think it definitely is preventing Tenma from going full, like, haggard beard, you know, like we saw, like, earlier in his investigation where he's just running himself ragged. And also, if we cut Dieter out, if he didn't come along, think of what that would be. We just have a child get abused and go to a home and we never touch on him again. (laughs) What a horrible ending to that arc. I mean, I I, thank God that never happens. I mean, yeah, but they but... they set up the the, the other <laughs> orphanage director is like actually doing w- good at her job, even though obviously it's not ideal. It's just one so of those things know. that yeah, if we were to change that one thing, I think a lot of the heart of this series would be very lost because Tenma would turn into such a different individual. True. True. And with that. We're at our final episode this week, Left Behind, or if you are reading the manga like me, The Abandoned Man and the Abandoned Woman. This adapts one of my favorite pair of chapters from the manga, just two stories of people utterly destroying themselves and what they decide to do at rock bottom. Urasawa at his most brutal character study. I love this. And the first half of our episode is going to focus on Inspector Lunge. He is chatting up a councilman's secretary. The guy's like, we're going to sue you for harassment. Quit coming around. And Lunge just goes, you won't. Your boss won't want his name attached to something like this on a record. I just want the truth. The truth he's seeking, it turns out, as he and his partner walk out of the manor, is whether or not the councilman is connected to a dead call girl. A single witness has placed both of them at the same hotel the night of the incident, and said call girl has connections to a lot of powerful men, but her little black book is in a code that no one's been able to crack yet. Lunge just goes, just give me the thing, I'll crack this myself. And I can't part- believe the Zodiac killer is dead in this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like, I feel like also it's not just that no one's cracked the code. No one wants to try the crack to code. Yeah. And Lunge just goes, give it to me. It's mine. All his partner mm-hmm. can say is, you have three other cases and a family. When do you sleep? Lunge is just like, what an irrelevant question. <laughs> and we, we go to the opening. I, I got to say, Lunge has like. I mean, part of it's his design and and his mannerism, but like he he gives me like Vulcan vibes, a little bit. I suspect that's a little bit of how he was designed with the face, because he has yeah, some very he... Nimoy esque features. Yeah, and the whole like uh, very extremely logical thinking. Uh, we come back to this, and uh, Lunge is just sequestered in his study working on this floppy disk and his wife and daughter are eating dinner alone they're having a conversation 
it's very clear that both of them are sick of this guy's shit. Shout outs to like just some casual bulimia in this episode. That is actually <laughs> not, not casual bulimia. That's not I, bulimia. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, oh my god, this is the, the first time, Chris, part. that you missed this. <laughs> so and you give me shit about this. Here is the thing. I also <laughs> forgot how that ended, so while I was doing these notes, I did pencil in an extra content warning for eating disorders before the reveal later, and I had to remove it. <laughs> Chris out here being like, but it's not morning. <laughs> but yes, it was not it was not just Chris on this one. <laughs> um so the next day at work, well, look, Luke is superior. You, Matt. It's immediately after dinner. Eat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> look, I've never been pregnant. I don't know how it works. <laughs> that's some real some ally. That is some <laughs> never even been pregnant. That's some Goku ass energy right there. Why do you gotta be there? She's the one giving the baby. Uh, I was shown that clip, and that's the funniest thing I've seen from that series in ever. God, how are you still married? <laughs> that was yeah that uh, regina just when he delivers a good line he delivers a he, it just owns regina is the best i love him he, he's the best war criminal i definitely get the sense that vegeta and piccolo are like top tier characters just based piccolo on those great too the little clips i see of both oh because they're, they're just both like over goku's shit yeah and that's how like, I that's am it. at all times. That's how I've hey, been Fletcher. since Dragon Ball. Yes? Did you know that Goku died and they were going to bring him back and then he telepathically says, nah, don't worry about it. And that's why Goku is dead. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. After, after Cell. <laughs> what? Yeah, he's just like, I, he's like, I could come back to my, my wife and kids. And by the way, my wife is pregnant with Goten. And yeah. uh, nope, fuck it. I'm just going to oh stay because I want to trade. Oh my God. That yeah. makes the comment in that scene I was shown even wilder. That's yeah. exactly what he's talking about, though. Okay. He's like, yeah. I don't need to be around for the kid's birth. I've already done this three times. Yeah, I was gone because I was dead. I didn't realize he asked to stay dead. Uh huh. He, he did. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, oh, oh, oh. I can't Ugh. tell if that's big dick energy or the ultimate himbo move. Okay, it's the ultimate so, himbo move. Okay, check this out. So as a result, they have an extra wish on the dragon, and Krillin's like, give that robot girl a vagina. Oh yeah, we talked about this on the pod before. I yeah. do remember no, that. You... It's so funny that it happens immediately after. We're like, well, if we can't bring Goku back, what's next? Robot <laughs> pussy. You... <laughs> Okay, you had told me that, and I thought that just came up as a result of, oh, yeah, this this makes it. You didn't tell me it was instead of Goku coming back to life. Well, I didn't know uh -huh. that until just now. God. <laughs> because I missed a large part of the Cell shit and picked up, like, halfway through Boo. I think I mm -hmm. actually like Krillin more now, because that's some... It, without letting anyone else consider, it's like, no, I'm getting mine. <laughs> yeah. That rules. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then, uh... And then the dragon's like, I can't do that. And he's like, fine, I guess take the bomb out of her head instead. <laughs> wow. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I gotta say, like, Krillin has gotten owned enough on the show that he, he deserved something. You know what I mean? I mean, not really, but you know what I mean. <laughs> My man can have a crumb of pussy as a treat. <laughs> <laughs> Look, at least Krillin didn't turn into Mo from The Simpsons, where he's constantly creeping on Chi-Chi whenever Goku's dead. 
Well, well, hey, at least she's 18. Also true. <laughs> wait, wait. Oh, <laughs> I just got that joke. Okay. 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 Well. Uh, don't, don't take that cliff out of context, please. I'm going to be honest. A couple of these discussions are probably getting moved to after the episodes just because of the tonal whiplash, but oh my god, we're keeping that. Um, okay, Lungay's superior is ripping him a new one the next day at work. You know, clearly the link between the councilman and the call girl is tenuous to everybody but Lungay, and the mess he's stirring up is bringing a lot of heat down on the team. He even says, I can't burn any more bridges on you. But Lungay just goes, I don't care about the councilman or the ministers. All I know is a woman is dead, and I want the culprit. Nothing more. Um, In the anime here, and not just in the manga, his boss roasts him saying, like, what, do you actually care about justice? And he's like, it's not about the 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 government or justice. Gotcha. Yeah, that but line does come shout outs to yeah, shout, shout outs to him like, boy, who cares if justice is served? We're just here to put people in jail. Yeah, Lunke mm-hmm. is fascinating because he would be the hero of so many other stories. The guy who gives up everything to get his man. But boy, this episode is such a perfect character study. The thing that gets me about this is how did he get married? <laughs> like, I, the thing that I, I don't know if the show will get to this or not, but like, was he always like this, or did he become like this? I, I like I actually don't remember. Yeah, because I, I would imagine like this character, this type of person, how would he end up finding someone to marry and raise a child with? Sometimes people think that the way you are is a bit, and then sometimes you also get married very quickly, and you find out it's not a bit. It turns out hmm. I'm not a bit. Hmm. Epson uh, the chat for my wife. Uh, yep. Yep. I know that feeling. Yeah. So, as he deciphers the black book, he cracks the code. An incredibly sloshed Ava Heinemann shows up again at the job, demanding to know why they haven't arrested Tenma after all the evidence and testimony she turned over. Lungay just stops in the hall on the way to the probably not the break room knowing him it's just the bathroom but he's like oh no it's perfectly fine i've solved the case he's convinced this johan is the killer but it's just another one of his personalities with that insight everything that doesn't make sense makes sense now i just need to wait for the police to find him if you'll excuse me and ava is pissed but we're not following ava we're following lunge and so we go back to the councilman's manor the secretary deflects again, and Luke Gay makes another threat. You know, there's this uh, publisher out there who specializes in tell-all books. They hire unscrupulous women to seduce powerful men, learn their secrets, get their stories, create a scandal to sell copies. Your employer might want to watch out for that type. As he returns home, his daughter is puking in the silent house. He walks past the bathroom, says nothing, not even hello. Uh, so, the next day... Lunge uh, belittles his coworkers for uh, playing the mind-numbing game of chess. <laughs> like, he walks up and just goes, here, one move, checkmate. Uh, he threatened the uh, tell-all publisher 
And uh, the guy rolled over immediately, handing over the call girl's records and notes. And uh, he takes these notes and confronts the secretary again with it. And the man uh, flips out and completely loses his cool, which means uh, got him. Yep. Yep. And uh, Lunge leaves knowing that it's just a matter of time before all the pieces come together. Uh, at home, his wife and daughter are standing at the door with bags packed waiting. And uh, his daughter is pregnant out of wedlock and his wife has been having an affair. And they're like, you didn't even notice, did you? He just gets, We're leaving. He gets yeah. a call and he's like, oh, I got to go later. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, yeah, he gets a work call. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a situation happening with the secretary, and he's just like, well, you could tell me the detail. I'm going out. Uh, well, tell me the details later. Yes. <laughs> Which is just extremely, extremely long Yes. Fuck, what? What are you going to do? Uh, You're not going to do so, anything about it. What? Just give me the information about how it's going to work later. It's fine. Yep. What is he going to do at this point? <laughs> they don't expect him to beg. Uh... But anyway, he arrives at the manor, which is surrounded by rank and file officers. And apparently the secretary has committed suicide. No, the minister. And. No, the, the, the secretary. Oh, did the secretary. he? Okay. The secretary. Yeah, because yes. the note yeah. says his boss was an honorable man. And that's all it says. Yeah, he basically said uh, like he, he took all the blame for the hit. Uh, mm. Yeah, there's an implication that there was a hitman no. uh, involved, right? No, that's the thing. None of this adds up. The way I've always read this is, especially with the secretary being so panicked, you need to get over here now if you want anything. The boss killed the secretary and made the note to tidy this up. Interesting. That does tie it up. That's nicely. how I've always read this. That would that would that would make a little bit more sense. I would say, yeah, yeah. But the, the the call girl was killed by a hitman, probably right, because that's why they they set it up so that there was an alibi. That's the suspicion, yeah. That's the suspicion, yeah. Because they, I think he names there's a dude who probably is the guy you hired. Uh, but yeah, uh, secretary is dead. Left a note, uh, which is suspiciously, boss did nothing <clears throat> wrong, and uh, so this is no longer Lungi's problem. Uh, the chief uh, decides then to hand over all of his cases to other people. And so he's just icing the guy. Yeah, he walks back to his office, which has like, yeah, no decorations, no pictures of his family, nothing. He sits down at his uh, blank desk, stares out for a moment, and then he opens his drawer and uh, begins speaking to a photo. And he says, well, Dr. Tenma, it seems like you're all I have left now. And with perfect timing, Ava Heinemann makes her uh, daily shit-faced appearance and this time he tells his powerful gleefully send her in so this takes us into the second half of the episode which is uh just as dark but in a very different way uh until it gets very bright this motherfucker yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> i like it ava is a very lonely woman as her latest fling leaves, she quietly crows over how she just left a perfumed handkerchief in his suitcase to just blow up his marriage, saying he'll never call me back. Uh, from the side, her gardener just watches while he works. She sees him and immediately begins flirting. Over the course of an unknown amount of time, we see him begin to fall for her, something he can hope for. At home, the gardener's daughter is chiding him a bit over dinner, saying the fact he's spacing out is probably why mom left you for that other man. Like, sweet Jesus, dude. She apologizes Yikes. the 
instant she says it because it's like, oh, that's way too far. Fucking annihilated. Uh, <laughs> the gardener didn't even notice, however, he was thinking of Ava. Time passes. Eventually, he's invited to her bed and to dinner at a lovely restaurant. He's just trying to be nice, and she just keeps fucking roasting him. And uh, he, ke- in the meantime, he keeps hinting to his daughter it might not just be the two of them anymore soon. Uh, just why, though? Why would you think that, guy? Yeah, well, also, you don't appear uh. to be actually divorced, just separated it's kind of vague yeah it's unclear yeah because like why else would you be waiting no it's not it's not unclear why else would your daughter think be excited that mom might be coming back for christmas i also don't know how long this story takes place over seems like a which week. is the only reason yeah it, i want to say it's 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 only a, a handful of days because this is when like, I know the last between... few were only a couple of days. The first part, but it does go from here. summer That's to it. basically being Christmas. Yeah, it's the Christmas That's thing true. that makes it hard to tell. That makes sense. So we do wind up at a time in the story where we can figure out where we are. Uh, Ava has just returned from being um, told to go away by Lunge, and she's parroting his line about Johan being another personality and that he killed her father, and look at this photo, that's a child of Johan, he couldn't have killed my dad, and the gardener's like, uh, should you not tell the police about that? And, uh... Mm-hmm. Seems like evidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she's just like, absolutely not. Um... She keeps going on about how Tenma was the perfect man for her. Smart, socially relevant, never told her no. When the gardener awkwardly asks if, uh... He- he could take Tenma's place. And she just starts laughing at him and says, don't get the wrong idea. Just because I pitied you to, enough to take you to bed once. And he just simply says, Ava, you seem incredibly lonely. And all she replies is, well, laughing is, uh, so are you. And then he leaves the room simply saying that he and his daughter will be celebrating Christmas at his house. And you can show up if you want to. Fletcher. Uh- there's there's some interesting stuff on a few of the translations in this. I checked both of the TV ones versus the manga, and I went with the two out of three. The The line is incredibly sad in the manga and the dub. And the, the other one is the final line of the episode. But yeah, the, the lonely thing is kind of a weird read on this scene. Honestly, I feel like lonely fits it better. Yeah. Because it's two lonely people trying not to be lonely because two sad people can never make each other happy. That's the only way it makes sense that they're trying to fill a hole in their lives with each other. It makes much more sense. Well, see, than I think it works because the reason she goes is she clearly takes that line. And, well, you know, I guess it works either way. So, yeah, never mind. Yeah, well, let's get to that yeah. scene. I mean, I would say like sad and lonely is probably the best way to describe it. But like if you had to pick one word, I would use shout outs to all those happy, lonely people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's it's Christmas. Ava goes out on the town. She's dressed up nice. She is carrying a gift. And at the gardener's house, there's a knock on the door. And then Ava arrives and you realize, oh, no, oh, no, that wasn't Ava arriving. And she hears laughter inside, and then she hears a woman's voice. And the gardener's ex-wife is back. He's no longer the same sort of sad or lonely as she is. 
and she snaps. She could ruin this man by just firing him, but she can't hurt herself if she fires him. What she really could have done is just gone inside. Oh, yeah. I was expecting her to do that. I I mean, yeah, that's what I expected was going to happen, but no. No. uh, No. (laughs) No, instead, she burns her manor and garden to the ground in a rage. Well, you know, that will make the inheritance go a lot farther when you don't have to pay for upkeep on that. <laughs> I uh, hope she had. Well, thing is, uh, she would have to get insurance on the stuff in there, which she won't get for arson. No, that's fine. You don't need that. Also, she, I mean, she, she, she's richer than she's so rich anyway. Let's so. just say some of what you're talking about will come up <laughs> again at some oh. point. Oh, yeah. When Lunge finds out, by the way, your mansion burned down, huh? <laughs> Shame about that but, photo. That was evidence. Yeah. We pick back up the next day where she's invited into Lunge's office, and she's a bit flipped this time. Oh, suddenly I'm interesting enough to speak to? Well, I had some time over them. And the episode closes with Ava saying she cannot rest until Tenma's life is as ruined as he left hers. One of the TV translations has her say, until I kill him, which is like, yeah, that's the, the subs. That's the, subs the subs say, say. that. That yeah. is very wrong. No, nothing else that's... is like, I need Tenma to die. <laughs> Yeah, you would think that the second she says that Lunge has been like, okay, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you're 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 not gonna get the 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 murder thing. I mean, I, I get that it's it's setting up the only thing way that makes sense is it sets up the parallel with Tenma needing to kill one person. Well, I kind of read that as like metaphorical, just basically like completely end his life as he knows it. But I like, felt like sure. in that, case, that doesn't you go make with sense destroy. either, because he's already like that also. Yeah. Destroy fits better than kill there. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Either way, um, with that done, any thoughts on this block? Uh, good block. Distressing content. Good ep- Good. Good episodes, though. I confess mm-hmm. this is one of the ones that I was kind of finagling around episodes to make this work, but I thought Kinderheim into these two standalones was a really good pairing. Yeah, I... You know what? I have to say, though, like, yes, the the they were entertaining, but I feel like it's starting to feel a lot less grounded in a way. Like, I wouldn't quite say it jumps the shark with, you know, secret Nazi um, like battle royale. And then also, uh, you know, this woman burning her whole mansion down. Let me put it it this way, Matt. Uh, We have basically cleared in a noir movie the first 15 minutes of the movie and are now entering the place where all of the threads are introduced and begin spreading out until they come to the end. Right? Like, if this was a movie, we've only been through 15 minutes of it. I I don't know. It almost feels like it's, I guess, where Tenma is is earlier in the story. But I feel like these other elements feel much later because, you know, you're already learning the secrets and you're already seeing, like, people go completely to the dark side, you know, with Ava here. Well, Uh, I mean, granted, like, but think about the larger story, right? Like Ava is just a single thread in it. And now Ava is basically at the starting point for how she will interact with the actual meat of the story. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I don't know. I feel like it it kind of took things a little too extreme for me to feel as grounded in it as I did at the beginning of the series in the first like 10 episodes. 
I mean, I'm still along for the ride and I'm, I want to see where this lands, but it's, you know, this is the first time I, I saw this and went like, oh yeah, this is anime. This is like, <laughs> we're like a fifth of the way through the story right now. <laughs> no, we're not. Like, um, I'm well, look, I'm too lazy to do the math. I know it's like, I, I actually episodes. did. I was going to hit you with it. We have just cracked chapter one of volume four. There are 18. Yeah, there's a lot. I know there's a lot left. And I, I, I was wondering, like, how do you take this story and make it that long? And I'm starting to see how they're doing that, which is I, like, I'm glad they're taking the time to, like, spend time on Ava and spend time on, I guess, Dieter uh, now that he's be- becoming more of an important character, you know, in that second episode. Yeah, it, or third episode. Whatever. It really feels like we just hit the starting state and that we just have been going through backstory of why people are the way they are in the story itself. Yeah. Which is something you normally don't get because a movie has to move really fast. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. They spent like, they finally gave Ava like the push forward where I feel like they spent a, a fair bit of time just watching her wallow in her misery. Like that was just the one thing about her is that she's a drunk and she can't find love and she's still obsessed with Tenma. And now, well, now she has her drive. Yeah, she slowly came around to basically I am miserable because of me. And mm-hmm. like the gardener basically confirms that to her. And that's when she fucking loses it and decides that I can't live with the fact that my problems are my fault. Let's go get let's go get my ex. Yeah, it's still wild to be like it for it's like for a little bit. I almost thought she had some introspection. She's like. Oh, he was the only person who cared about me. And yeah, he was successful, but well, he was a good person. You can have and then that. It, it turns into she never said he never said no. He always said yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, ooh, that's where it gets nasty. <laughs> that's the turn. You can have some introspection and then reject like what you know to be true. Oh, ab- absolutely. But like th- there was a point where I'm like, oh, is she how sympathetic is she going to become? And then becomes complete continues to be extremely non-sympathetic well that's why i think these two are such a great pairing together is that lunge is all logic everything has to fit the puzzle and ava is just a force of chaos right now Mm -hmm. and they're both basically set up to have nothing in their life but ruining tenma yeah it's a perfect pairing and Mm -hmm. these two chapters put together like this is a great episode of television yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, I'll see you like how I feel about the whole Johan being the king of the monsters or whatever. <laughs> you know, like so some of that just seems so overwrought to the point of being silly, like the whole tragedy thing. Well, we spend a lot of time because <sighs> to me right now, the show's viewpoint is basically that monsters are created and we think that the orphanage is going to be what's up, but something else has happened to him before. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it clearly wasn't the thing that caused... Society is the real monster, Matt. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. There's definitely going to be more on that, and Lunge is not the only person who's going to have theories about that. Cool. But... With that said, we will be back in two weeks, dear listeners, with episodes 15 through 17, where we'll meet the baby and the wolf. See you around. Oh boy, only two hours of anime next week, not three. 
Oh no, I should not do that. I should not roll around the ball for my trackball on my desk during recording. I'm sorry. That's fine. That's okay. You can play with your mouse clip later. It uh, it is like so... the size of a pool ball, Matt. It is enormous. <laughs> That's know, going on very the soundboard. <laughs> it's very engorged. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what was, what was uh, the so clerk's, the clerk's life and a large clitoris is the same as a micro penis? Yes. Oh god, I forget so much about well, that. This is very, very bad. <laughs> yeah, Clerks Two is a movie, movie I'm never going to revisit. Somehow worse than yes, Clerks same. One. Clerks One, you could claim there was a little bit of innocence involved mm. in naivete. Mm. I, I have I have nostalgia for mm. Clerks One, even though I know it's it is not aged well at all. In many respects, some bits of it are still funny, and I still think a lot of the video scenes are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's not revisit Clerks for Monster. No, let's <laughs> not. <laughs> you know he's threatening uh, to make Mulrats too, right? I'd watch it. Like, out of all the Kevin Smith films, I watch Mulrats the most. I don't trust him enough at this point to do Mulrats too. Somebody should stop I him. mean, look, I don't... Mm. Yes. <laughs> The problem is that he's thin now, so he can run faster. So I'm can't. glad that he's keeping Jason Mewes sober, but oh my god, somebody should stop him. <laughs> yeah, at least give that man, like, a fucking <laughs> makeover. sober, he doesn't have an excuse. <laughs> it's true. Uh, anyway. So, you know, 